to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaefer. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Hi, Paul. How's your week been? My week has been not so bad. Had traveled this week for the first time in a while, but uh, all in all, not too bad. How about yourself? That's awesome. No travel for me, which is even better. You, where, you're up in Toronto, right? So you're just following snowstorms. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yes. The short answer to that is yes. Although I, they were, they seemed curiously ill-prepared to handle snowfall, which I thought was odd for a Canadian city, but... You, you weren't trending on Twitter, but I did see that Kim Kardashian was trending on Twitter for wearing high heels and a short skirt in foot, foot of snow outside a hotel room. <laughs> Okay, there you go. The redeeming qualities of the Twitters. (laughs) Right. Next time, if you want more attention on Twitter, Paul, you just have to wear a short skirt and high heels and just walk outside the hotel room. Pretty sure there's nothing there that anybody wants to see. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... um, I just... Society is definitely just heading down on a downward spiral when that kind of stuff trends. I, I would agree. I would agree. But it was great. I mean, I caught up with a couple of folks that I know up in Toronto and uh, had a room full of uh, partners working on teams. So it was good. And I got I got to do a session on Microsoft Graph. And of course, I injected, you know, three slides about token acquisition in front of them. So that was uh, that was good. So it was a good so week. you lost them after slide two. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> So that was all pretty good though. That's good. What was that in aid of? I know you did mention this before. I'm sorry, what? What was the event for? It was a Teams Solution Accelerator event for partners. Right, okay. And uh, a deep dive technical. So of course, half of the room was non-technical. But uh, you have, oh, and I should point out, there was a couple of listeners in the, uh, in the audience. Um, awesome. Brad... Butler, oh, and I tweeted the oh, other guy's name, but um, Mike, and it was Mike Holloway. Oh, crap. I'm going to forget the name. I'm sorry, guys. But yes, yeah, so uh, it was great to to have someone come up and say, hey, I recognize your voice. And then they started to put it together and that's where it came from. So it was great. <laughs> yeah. So it was you do super- have a distinctive voice. It's your laugh that people are like, ah, oh, it's Paul. Yeah. I, I've heard that before. <laughs> yes. So it was great to, so, to see. And of course, anyone else out there in the world, if you run across us, uh, say, come and say hi. It's uh, always great to get feedback on the show. Well, it's a big- uh, you know, usual stuff you do for a podcast guest. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, so what have you found out there this week? Yeah, so I had uh, a bit of time to scour the internet and found a couple of good ones. And so I'm going to, I'll start with the fun one. Uh, John Papa is a, a .NET speaker and all around community guy. And he posted uh, a blog post, Late Night Coding for the Win was it was the title. But in what he ended up doing is discovering that uh, as he was opening multiple instances of Visual Studio Code and you do the alt tab, it's kind of hard to remember which one is what, right? And, and I've run across this myself between you open the bot builder SDK and you open the Microsoft graph SDK source code and you have your own code and which window is which. And so he wrote a visual studio code extension that will change the color theme randomly for, uh, or you can specify, but you can change the, the, the color theme of your visual studio code instance. So you can imagine a peacock is, you know, multiple colors into it. When you do alt tab, you can see different colors and helps you just do a little quick, you know, mental memory of which session, which, 
which uh, session has or which instance has which set of code. So it's a great little extension there. Obviously, he says it's experimental and beta, but you know, if you've met John and you've seen him talk, you know even his experimental stuff is probably top quality. So great little uh, <laughs> great little extension to help you as you're knee deep in code. I uh, I am going to install that today because I have that same problem. Although what I tend to do is have my Visual Studio codes on different monitors for the different things I'm working on. But color schemes is going to be awesome to be able to just catch. Oh, I'm in the wrong one. Or which one am I should be in? It's great. Yeah, I like it. I like it as well. And then um, on the the on our blog actually on the Microsoft blog, Nick Kramer, who's the principal PM for um, Oh, I'm drawing by Microsoft Teams. PM for Microsoft Teams because it's a Microsoft Teams blog, <laughs> a Microsoft Graph blog. Da, da, da. It is early here. It's 8.30. Um, and Nick has been blogging about some of the stuff that they've done since they launched the Graph API GA for a variety of different things. And so now, like when you're doing like the lifecycle provisioning of creating a team, there's a whole bunch of other things that you can do now since we showed all that stuff in November. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from there, if you do anything with Teams, is the ability now to read uh, channel messages. Um, but then also you can actually read one-on-one messages coming up soon as well. Um, so they're improving like the send channel messages area um, with things like you can reply, you can do subject lines and at mentions in the re- in the replies in the channel messages. And obviously all this stuff is on behalf of the user you're you know, the token you've consented from your user, whether it's a web app or a mobile app or so forth. But there's a, some huge scenarios there that we're seeing teams unlock by being kind of like this presentation layer and the channel messages being part of the solution, but then, you know, tabs for things like showing web applications embedded as iframes or even SPFX web parts embedded as iframes. And um, they've even added now that you can add tabs to individual channels um, that enable five new tab types. So you can add Word, Excel, PowerPoint, PDF, and document libraries uh, during using the API, which is really, really neat. Um, if you're building out solutions where you need a, a team or a channel or a group of people that want somewhere to go without having to say, here's the document library URL, and you're never going to remember it, so bookmark it somewhere. And here's this one PDF that you need to read as part of this project. And it, so it's really nice to have this central hub, um, and Teams does a great job of that. Yeah, it's great to see. The I want to say they had a a big uh, ramp up to get some stuff out the door, but now since they've done that since Ignite when they announced a bunch of stuff, they're finally starting to get their their stride. So things are coming in pretty pretty fast and furious. And uh, so good job to Nick there. Yeah, and they're listening a lot on Stack Overflow as well. And they're to be honest, they're be- the better team from my perspective because I'm monitored all the Stack Overflow cross graph. And there was one bugbear that everyone was hammering away on stack overflow which was um you couldn't create create teams um if you're it was global admin or a a team service admin um it was there was a bunch of scenarios where it didn't work and so now global admins and microsoft team service admins if you're logged in with them um and use the API, you can create teams, change team settings and like remove the members and delete tabs and channels. And so there's a bunch of things now that admins have uh, that it wouldn't have worked before without being an owner of the individual team. Um, and so that was a worker and you had to kind of add everyone in as the owner, whereas now it, it basically 
adheres to the RBAC, it adheres to the roles-based um, authenticate or authorization at the, the like the top level of the tenant, which is nice. Yes, and there's still a gap, although they may have fixed it in the, in the last couple of days, where the app-only permissions aren't applicable to all the operations you might want to do if you're doing a whole big provisioning engine, but they've acknowledged that and working on it. So a little patience uh, will get you there. But yeah, it's uh, that API space is moving quite quite along. And uh, I have have an item in my diary, as they say over in England, to review updates to the graph (laughs) on the first of every month. And today being March 1st, uh, I saw a bunch of stuff. So a lot of it is the team. So good, uh, good work coming out of those guys. Now, naturally, there will be a lot more stuff at the beginning of May with Build, so um, keep your eyes open for that. We are, uh, it's driving me insane, actually, to be quite blunt, uh, doing all the planning around this, because it's just, it's up in the air quite a lot in terms of what's going on at a broad conference level, and um, we kind of have to duck and weave as a product management grouping graph of how we fit into whatever they want to do at the conference level. So, And you probably have to duck um, and weave as you walk down the hall, depending on who, who you gave a session to or not, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's now 15 different services on the graph and all of them want to be my best friend. Um, and Mark Stafford, who's kind of part of that process too. So yeah, that's been, it's certainly a different expectation. I going into this, didn't realize I'd still have to do after going from a transitioning from marketing role to an engineering role, but I enjoy it. It's fun. And it's, it's an easy muscle for me to leverage because I did it for so long. Exactly. So this week, I, when I was up in Toronto, I uh, chased down a, a friend of ours, John White. John is uh, my is an MVP, a dual MVP, as he mentions, one in uh, SharePointy things, maybe Office Apps and Services, and the other one data. Uh, so John is a he's my go to guy for Power BI, and of course he's all around great guy. And so we uh, we sat down, had a share pint, if you will, and uh, you know flapped our lips a little bit about the stuff, and so. Um, uh, always great to catch up with John and he, uh, we talked a bit about how he uses, you can use Microsoft graph and feed data into the power BI service and, and talk through a little bit of the capabilities there. Pro tip, never try and keep up with John on drinking beer. So he, he's he, an extra he, foot and a half above me and, um, yeah. those legs are hollow as hell. <laughs> Yeah, so he picked me up in his car, so there I, I had the benefit that he he had to drive us back to. <laughs> so we were in his town, not at a conference. So, but yeah, it was uh, it's great. And uh, if you don't follow John on Twitter or his blog, you absolutely have to do that, as well as his podcast that we talk on a little bit as well, because it's just solid gold stuff all the time. And because it's Power BI, you can make it look pretty. So, yeah, I I do listen to that and. Jason and John do a really good job of kind of getting good guests on there and getting content in there. And I think like, I mean, maybe I'm selfish on this, but my role in as a a program manager, we have to do a lot of stuff based on data decisions and we have the raw data, but in a lot of cases we don't have the dashboard that represents that data. And so I'm always plugging away in power BI and those podcasts really helped me. I'm like, Oh, I didn't know that existed. And you just go and it's like, wow, that makes that report look way better when I go to the execs next week. And so um, there'll be a lot of people listening that, can benefit from kind of that podcast as well, but definitely stop. Don't stop listening to this one. Otherwise you'll be in trouble. Yeah, exactly. They don't cover that many dev topics. So no. yeah, fun story. They actually had me on the show early and I ended up interviewing them on how to do things. in Power BI. Jason was like, Hey, <laughs> wait a, good, a minute. You're the guest. <laughs> no, that's actually a good approach though. I like it. Yeah. So great guys. Glad to have John. And it was always great. And, uh, hope that you all find this, uh, this episode interesting. 
Cool. Well, thanks for doing that, Paul, and um, we'll see you next week. Okay. So today I'm with John White. Welcome to the show, John. Good evening, Paul. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So for those who aren't aware, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, as you mentioned, my name is John White. I'm uh, I'm the CTO of a company called Unlimited Viz. We are the makers of a product called Tigraph Analytics for Office 365 for the most part. I'm, uh, I've been a lot of things over the years, but for the last, I guess, 10 years? Not quite 10 years. Uh, I've been a Microsoft MVP for SharePoint and recently a data platform as well. So I'm one of those duelies. Nice. Yeah. And, and in honor of the SharePoint history, we're having this uh, with a pint tonight. So we are. Absolutely. Excellent. Yes. Um, and so, you know, our show is focused on uh, uh, Microsoft 365 development. And I know your development's not necessarily your strong point. Myself, personally. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but thanks for doing this anyways. And, and for those who, who don't follow John does a podcast as well with mm-hmm. uh, Jason Himmelstein called the Bifocal. Bifocal. And yeah. I was a guest on his show. Thanks for having me. And uh, if you want to get a deep dive, I, I, I think you interviewed us. Well, though. I was just going to say, if you want a deep dive on Dev, listen to that where I interviewed the hosts <laughs> on something that they didn't know anything about. <laughs> It's like, okay. So, so I'm glad to return the favor this week. But um, so I know that uh, you, you talk about Tigraph, how you do analytics on stuff. And so obviously there's a Microsoft Graph component on there. So at a high level, how does what does the graph mean to you guys when you're doing your work? So it's, it's it will, I'll give you a bit of history. Uh, it's, it's, it's been an interesting journey. Um, Tigraph, uh, as, as I mentioned, analytics for, I guess they should call it Microsoft 365 these days. Yeah, right? that's the official name, right? Yeah. Um, we, 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 we do a number of the workloads. Uh, uh, within the suite, we started off um, with, uh, believe it or not, with Yammer, and uh, that didn't use Graph at all. That used uh, the Yammer API, um, and that was a bit of a bear uh, to work with. So our product is uh, is a rather interesting one. That most of the dev goes into the the core data gathering engine. So that's always been the trick, right? Getting the yeah. data out of uh, out of the source systems. So we developed an engine that was able to go and get this data from the Yammer export, which uh, a number of people will tell you that's a trick. <laughs> and we persisted in perpetuity. So you can start to start to see usage patterns. Who are your users? Who are your champions? What's the value of your content? There's an awful lot of really good stuff there. And over the years, we've branched that out now to do SharePoint. We uh, we, we look at messaging. We're doing Teams. Um, we do OneDrive as well. We've got a number of things coming to market. But uh, you asked about Graph specifically, and Graph is where we get the bulk of that data from. Um, so if you want to go and get any inventory information, which is what do I have, documents, list items, things of that nature, you're going to go to gra- the graph to get it. So our same engine that originally pulled from Yammer also pulls from the graph. And then do you guys do, uh, like the, new, the buzzword obviously is AI or machine learning. Do you, do you put that stuff on top of there or I guess the capability is there, right? Since you have the corpus of data, right? Well, it's all around the data, right? So yeah. it's a question of what you want to do with it. So there's a number of things we do as a matter of course. You've seen uh, Tigraph for uh, for Twitter, right? Yep. One of the things we've almost always uh, done for, uh, on that product is detect sentiment from tweets. So if you're running an event, uh, I can track your sen- uh, your sentiment over time. You know, you can see what people are talking about or, or really, you know, how they feel about what's being <laughs> what's being talked about over time. And and that's that's a that's a machine learning uh, capability. There's uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna forget the name of the service. Cognitive services 
within Azure. We call into that, we get the result back, and we process that data over a period of time. So that's one easy way to do that. I did a presentation at Ignite last year with a uh, with a colleague, Dean Swan, um, where we explored what is what does machine learning or AI actually mean, and showed a, a, a number of examples. And Sentiment's an easy one. Um, image recognition's another one. We showed a couple of examples of that working within social networks. I'll be doing uh, that presentation at the SharePoint conference actually in Vegas. Uh, okay. in, in the and you can use Code White to get a discount. You can use one. Code White to get a discount on that. Uh, That'd be nice if somebody did. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the, you know we, we took we, we took it a number of, of of ways. We even built a. It's not a bot. We used actually Microsoft Flow uh, uh, to answer questions automatically using Microsoft's Q and A service. And then ultimately, I also showed you know how you can build a machine learning model based on a corpus of information. It's all about the data, right? Yeah. In order to start auto classifying things. So there's a number of things we can do with our products and have um, wherever it makes sense. Right, and, and one of the things that always attracted me to your sessions and just to sit and have a beer anyways is because you have these great ideas or things that you can do like Flow, for example. It's just another low friction end user type tool that obviously if I want to answer a question, perhaps I can do that. And I I like the way that you guys can tie into that. And I guess, I get to your point, it always comes back down to the data, huh? It always comes back down to the data, but you know, I mean, if you look at Flow, that's that's process automation or automation of some sort. I mean, uh, neither one of us are uh, spring chickens. Um, I come from the world of Lotus Notes uh, way back when, way back in the 90s. And the thing that always appealed to me about Lotus Notes, and the same thing that kind of appealed about SharePoint, is it brought together all these different technologies. And it was fairly easy to get one to talk to the other. Uh, workflow systems uh, do, do that as well. But that's what Flow is bringing to the table. That's why I'm, I'm not, Flow's a real dark horse. You can do a lot of things with Flow. I've got, I've got a, at home, I've got a Google Home device. That's what I'm, you know, my home automation stuff is at. And I've got my shopping list in Microsoft's to-do. And through a number of technologies pulled together with Flow, <laughs> I can tell it to add things to my grocery list. Now, it's ridiculous the way I do it. I think Wiley Coyote might have looked like you put it together. But, um, but, it, but it's Flow that makes it all possible. Well, it was a research project, and you managed yeah. to bring it to, to production. It's the only way to do it. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. Flow doesn't, unfortunately, talk yeah. to Google Home. So there's a few ways, to, 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 a few pieces yeah. to the puzzle. Yeah. But, but obviously, one of the strengths of, of the Power BI service is, is making the data look pretty. Mm -hmm. So a guy like me who's not trusted with more than six crayons, this, this is, this is a, a great <laughs> thing, right? And, and I know you guys on your podcast have talked a lot about licensing and the activities, but at a high level, right? A developer can use some of these Power BI tools, correct? Well, I mean, I mean, to an ex to such an extent, and I talked about we have a bit of a weird product. Most of our development is in our engine. Our UI is Power BI. I mean, we don't have that's not 100 percent true. We have a SaaS version of our product that wrappers Power BI, but all of the reports are Power BI. So that's where the from a UI standpoint, that's where most of the effort goes into. So absolutely, I mean, it's it's uh, it's, it's it's got a ton of tools that uh, that you know once you once you start messing with it, you start going, Ooh, why would I use anything else? You know, yeah. I, I was uh, I was working with our uh, our mutual friend Mark Rackley last night. This last okay. night he was trying to trying to pull something like this even possible. And I'm, you know, I, I'm I'm on my phone. I'm like, of course it is. <laughs> yeah, here's how. And he went off and he asked he asked a couple of questions, but I was watching a movie, so I didn't get back to him. By the by the time the movie was done, he told me how he'd figured it out. Well, so that tells you exactly oh, what's going on. And he's a developer. That's right. <laughs> 
Well, at least you didn't give him a bad answer, right? No answer is better than a bad answer. That's correct. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, and so, um, what? Uh, again, I don't. We don't need to dive deep into replicate your other show. But what kind of? What are the highlights of the Power BI service these days? What, I know that's one of these ongoing, it's continually improving services. There's always something new. Yeah. So I, we probably should get into what the basics are at our first. I mean, the Power BI at, at its core is a way to ingest data from wherever you might happen to have it to model that data, which which you know sounds funky, but it really just means getting it into the terms that you want you understand. I, I know that this is that or the shape, but I want to understand the way I want to report on it. But that's um, the hard part in my book is knowing what shape it needs to be in or can, can yeah. be in. Right? Yeah. Well, if so. you understand what you want to get out of it, it's actually not so hard to go back and figure out how to shape uh, okay. it, right? So, but it's a combination of those three things. So it's, it continues. It contains the tools to go and get the data. That's Power Query for for you know anybody who's following along at home. Uh, the tools to model that data, which we would have called Power Pivot in the past, right? It's that that's the same technology, and the reporting technology itself, which is in Power BI. Uh, in, in the old days, we might have called that Power View in Excel, yeah. but it's not the same thing. But it, so it's it's the same idea. But it it's brings the chart the, icon in the ribbon from a. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the chart web part. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it brings all those uh, those those things together in a very, I, I think, user friendly way. It's very approachable. People can go at, at this stuff and start mucking around with it and get themselves into real big trouble real quickly. Now, I mean, they, they can they can get results very, very uh, quickly right out of the box, but it also has all of the power of SQL Server Analysis Services in behind it. So as, as, as your solution grows or as your demands grow, you've got the power you need. And that's actually where that team is, you asked me what was new. Um, over the last year, they brought an awful lot of enterprise features uh, in, into Power BI. It's been it's been interesting to watch. Oh, good. I have to check all that stuff out. And then the other thing that I had trouble struggling with at the very beginning was the concept of whether you're reporting over your live data or mm. caching the data. And obviously, well, I'm sure there's plenty of options. So again, just at a high level to intrigue the How long do we have? Users. Well, <laughs> we <can t> <laughs> the beer won't run out anytime soon. But again, I, I just want to expose people to the different choices of what they, what they what's possible, if you would. So yeah, you're getting into the difference between um, monitoring essentially and reporting which but we, we call it reporting in real-time reporting uh, and and the, the big difference between the two usually involves dollars because uh, <laughs> you know if you ask someone well how, how recent do you want the data I want it real time well it's gonna cost you this much well how, how real is real enough time right? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's but but there are there are lots of good reasons to not want to do real time um, well first of all there's the concept of abstracting your data so getting it out of the source system System. This is when I talked about Power BI using Power Query, getting data out of the source system and into a data model, and you report from that model. Right off the bat, there's a bunch of advantages there. Just from a performance standpoint, you're not hitting that source system that users are using to do transactions, so you're reducing the load on the source system. You don't have the same problems with security. You don't have to worry about security with the source system. I don't have to grant access uh, for reporting users to the, to the source system. I can just give them to this cache of the data, and I control what goes into the cache of my data. And it's up to me to keep that cache of the data up to date. So I can do an awful lot of stuff. And up to date means whatever the user thinks, right? As you were pointing 
morning. Maybe it's not current. real time. Maybe yeah. it's weekly. Yeah. Daily, weekly, hourly, up to the minute even. I mean, that's that's that can be fine. But as long as I'm not going to that that source system, there are cases, however, where we need to do that um, for lots of you know for business reasons, but also from a capacity reason. Sometimes that cash can get really, really, really big. <laughs> so there might be a reason to to go back to that source data. So Power BI, um, it it kind of leans toward the cash data, um, but it has a technology within it. Depending on your data source, now your data sources are limited. Called Direct Query. With Direct Query, you store all your calculations in, in the cache, but you don't store the data. So you go back to the source system whenever you actually need data. Okay. So you have yeah. options. Yeah. So that Direct Query gets in. Like if I have a SQL database on prem and I want to just do a pretty picture over it, I can do this query and say, "Don't store the data. Yeah. I'll just get it and she'll make it look pretty." Yeah. And I, and I mentioned some of the enterprise innovations that have come out last year. Um, we have a thing called the aggregations feature, and I'll try and to explain that in a hurry. Uh, first, and we have. I'll try to write up how your hands are moving as you're yeah. describing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, for, first, it leverages a thing called composite models within Power BI that we got last year, which was the ability to have cache data alongside of direct query data. Okay, so we can have both in the same report. And the fact that we can have both within the same report means I could cache a, a copy of the data um, from the source that has aggregate information. So I may say I want to roll up things. I may have data that goes down to the second level, but I only never need any any reports or I only almost always only need any reports by the day, okay? So I can store my aggregated, whatever it is I'm measuring, the sum of by day, right? Yeah. And that's going to obviously be less data to store. And if I've got if I've got trillions of rows, which is a good demo, by the way, um, <laughs> trillions of rows in my source system, I may, may wound up only with hundreds of thousands of rows in my, in my data cache. But there may be occasions where I want to drill down and say, what did this one user do throughout the day? Well, I, could, I can use this aggregate feature now to reach back transparently to the user to the source system and then bring that amount of data just for that user that's back though so. oh yeah that's right because it's always a trade-off that a developer's trying to make is I want to get something responsive and meaningful to you correct but if you want gobs and gobs of data I can't do that you can't do both at the same yeah, time right. all the time you know if you if I need that that granular data all right I, I'm, I'm prepared to wait for it for a little bit yeah like I say if the developer or the user has clicked on something they understand if you know that's a toll gate I, you might have to wait <laughs> flash up a sign yeah, if you pull a ticket at the deli, yeah. the, the implicit is that as you're waiting for them to call your number, yeah. right? Yeah, that, that in, in a nutshell is the aggregations feature. If you want to see a really good demo, there's a guy named Christian Wade from Microsoft does it. It's referred to as the trillion row demo. The trillion row demo. The trillion row demo, yeah, yeah. where he does clicky-clicky, draggy-droppy, trillion rows of data. Those high-tech terms that we yeah, have here. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's awesome. And then um, you talked a lot about, about demos, and, and I would imagine it's fun to do your demos, right? Oh. Oh, fun things that you data do. is fun. It's, yeah, the, the, tr the trick is to get you know don't do the Northwind Traders demo all the time, what, right? What, yeah, it, it, you got to find data that people can relate to, but it also has to be relevant. So yeah. it, it's it, it, it's tricky. But when you can find good demo scenarios, it can be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I bring that up because I happened to bop in one day when you and Jason, Jason Himmelstein, Himmelstein, Himmelstein. Sorry, Jason. Um, <laughs> we're, we're doing. Don't a worry, work. he's not listening. Doing a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a developer show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Um, the uh, you, you were doing a workshop, and the two of you just started going back and forth on some data. I no, I don't remember what the data was, but it seemed like you're having a great time. So, wh- what's that process like for you guys? How do you decide what kind of things to show, or what, is there any it's method whatever, you apply, what, or is it really just yeah. no? It's whatever strikes our fancy. Um, so, and, and whatever, whatever. You did most recently, what was the kind of fun demo you would have done? Recently? Whatever, whatever. Oh, geez, I haven't done one since December. Well, so the one that's popping to mind, and I and I don't really do it so much anymore is the uh, is the Facebook location demo. So everybody understands what Facebook is. Um, I, I, I did a demo where I just basically mine my, my Facebook feed for check-ins and then plot that on a map and show how many countries I've been to over the over the last couple of years. And Jason's always on my case about humble bragging with that one. Um, I'm sorry, what was that term again? Humble bragging. <laughs> There's there's the one um, that I've got a, a sample of on my uh, on my blog, which is the shark attack data. That's another kind of interesting yeah, one, being yes. a diver, um, and that is it's, it's it's depending on what you show. I'm trying to show um, there there's a um, website out there that keeps track of all of the all of shark attacks whenever they happen. They've gone back and recorded or pulled them all in from recorded history. Well, they keep it in some you know old XLS file uh, behind a paywall on a website. Well, I've I've built a little system to automatically go and grab that XLS file every night and drop it on a local drive. And that becomes a source for a Power BI report. And that's literally published to the web and surfaced in my blog. So you can go onto my blog anytime and click around and yeah. see reports of shark attacks if that happens to strike But, but I like the demo because how, how many organizations have data stuck in an Excel file some crazy right. place, that's right? a perfect example of that. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's and, exactly right. Yeah. The and, Twitter stuff, is a, it makes another decent demo as well because that's when you start to show real time. You know, during a conference, people are tweeting all the time, so you can go in and show how things work. You know, this is this is recent. Yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of demos. And so, um, me being uh, an old timer, I, I remember we used to do the ETL process. So it sounds like you're still yeah. doing the same thing. Yeah, it's just with better tools. At the end of the day, I've got better. a slide I think I've used in every single presentation I've ever done that basically shows a classic enterprise BI, which has data source, ETL to a data warehouse and a data mart and then reporting tools on the front end. Nothing's really changed. We've just encapsulated pieces of them or made some of them easy. So when I said Power Query, that's ETL. Power Query is ETL piece or SSIS from back in the day, right? Uh, okay. Well, SSIS is still a thing or now it's Azure Data Factory, right? In the in the cloud, it's not the same thing. But yeah. that same idea is, yeah, you got to get the data from the source system and, and stick it somewhere. And that's going to be in a, you know, we call it a data warehouse or a data market. You don't hear people use that term anymore. Now it's a cache. It's a, okay. It's a data cache. Data cache. Okay. But I mean, there's there's different structures. There's different ways of storing that to support analytics. So Power BI is just kind of hasn't really circumvented the warehouse or, or Mart layer. It's just kind of combined that with the analytical database. Okay. And then um, you know, before we started recording, you, we were chatting, and you said you had mentioned you were kicking the tires on the Azure Data Connect, which is somewhat yeah. recent. Uh, it was at Ignite in uh, 2018 when they announced that. Yes. So, uh, what's your impression on that so far? Yeah, really good. I mean, we built a product based on it. All right, already. I, I, That's excellent. One, I didn't. I didn't mention it early because you had asked me. But well, Graph Data Connect. It's the yeah, Graph yeah, Data exactly, Connect. So yeah. it's, it's technically part of the Graph. 
Um, and I think uh, I think they built Graph Data Connect. Uh, to stop guys like us from doing what we've been doing, which is wholesale hauling massive amounts of data through the graph endpoints, right. which isn't designed for that. Well, right. I mean, uh, just like we have transactional systems or real-time data sources and we have cache data sources, maybe yeah. it makes sense to do something on a, off, off the freeway onto the back yeah. roads, right? Stop doing that. <laughs> so it, it, it literally is, what, what Graph Data Connect really is, is a data source for Azure Data Factory. Now, you just asked about ETL, well, Azure Data Factory is the Azure version of ETL. Um, and that lets you plug into graph data and pull that out and drop it somewhere. That's going to be one of the data lakes, or either blob, Azure Blob Storage or Azure Data Lakes. We've built out a version, a, a new version of TIGGRAPH for Exchange um, that lets you do reporting on emailing, calendaring, and users, and contacts, as a matter of fact, organizational contact yes. work. Where you can basically mine all of the all of the contact information for the personal address books, all the people in our organization. So you know you'll find the same user or the same same contact, but you might have 15 people in the organization have that contact with different information. Well, it'll help you clean that up, right? How about that? That's you know that's that's one of the things that fell out of this project that's rather interesting. In addition to email data, but it's massive amount of data, and you don't want to be hauling that down all the time. And there's security implications. There's all kinds of good stuff around the graph data connect. So yeah, we as much as we possibly can, we want to leverage that now as a data source for right. Digraph. And, and I, uh, memory's failing me. I don't remember when we had talked to the Azure Data Connect expert on the show in the past. So we'll, we'll dig up that, that, that. So those who are interested, we can get that information. And so um, uh, this, this is great information and obviously a lot of stuff. And now the so the Bifocal podcast, how do people find the Bifocal podcast? Bifocal.show is a, is a link. And sometimes we publish blog posts along with the shows well <laughs> we're on we're on soundcloud we're on all your major on, on all the major um podcast aggregators. you can find us on itunes and google play and all of that and, bifocal and if someone has more questions and learn more how do they reach out to you i'm at diver down 1964 um at on on twitter uh, and i'm on facebook john white Wait. good luck <laughs> john, <laughs> it's it's john p white and my uh, my blog is uh, the white page it's actually not the white it's white pages dot on limitedviz.com, which is the name of my company. That's great stuff. Thanks a lot, John. Thanks a lot, uh, Paul. Off back now to the drinking. Always a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>